All right, this is how we kick off our Friday afternoons. Dennis Stewart is here. Good afternoon, sir. How are you, my friend? Look, I'm, I'm ready to go, and so uh, are you today. Yes. A, a couple of potentially life-enhancing benefits to medicinal herbs. You've, you've done the research on them. You've lectured yes. them. Yes. You've prescribed them as well. Yes. Uh, they come from traditional medicinal systems. What are they and what are their purposes? Okay. What we're going to do is talk about a famous herb from Southeast Asia, which I have mentioned called java kidney tea but look at some extraordinary benefits other than on the kidney and we're also going to look at a herb uh, called withania also known as ashwagandha and the way in which it is emerging as a very useful herb uh, for the management the complementary assistance in helping people that are fighting prostate cancer all right, a couple of big ones mm. today. Plus, mm. if you have a health question, Dennis is here ready to go. Sport mm. jacket and all. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Stuart coat of arms, of course, on the on the collar. It is. It is indeed. Is that what the, I always wonder what That's that what badge was? That's absolutely. what that is. Didn't you know that? No, I just Stuart thought, oh, crest. It, it looks a nice Mate. yellow crest. I thought oh. that's a nice badge. Well, the Queen gave the, the Stuart uh, clan that. And uh, in fact, the new, uh, new coat of arms has got a little coronet on top of it <laughs> as a recognition of the line going right back to the Mickey. So there you are, mate. Just call me Your Excellency or something like that. Can I just probe on this for a second, Dennis? Yes, I know course. we've got some serious of stuff to, to cut through. Um, you're about to welcome a new member to the family. My, my first great-grandson. And there are a couple of traditions here. One is the middle name that every male child Correct. gets. His middle name will be Leslie, <laughs> as the whole of our family name, in, as far as the males is concerned, is all always use the name Leslie. And how will he be welcomed as he oh, is brought okay. back from hospital into the home? I have threatened his mother, who has come on side, <laughs> that I will, I will hire a piper to piper in our first great-grandson who's going to carry on the line. And she's quite open to that. I'm not sure that the, the suburb that he lives in will appreciate Probably it, not. But it will not be a, a long serenade. All right, Scotland the Brave indeed. <laughs> All right, back to the serious stuff, Dennis. And again, if you have a question for Dennis today, 49216216. Uh, we, we begin today's conversation with Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, look, and the reason I want to touch on this uh, is because there's a lot of work being done in, in other countries, uh, not so much here, but other countries with reference to traditional medicines with which they're very familiar in, in most other countries, particularly Southeast Asian and Asian countries, there's a lot of work being done in looking at uh, some of the characteristic uh, traditional herbal medicines of those countries and seeing what impact they can have on some of the diseases that we're experiencing today. Now, in the context of, of Alzheimer's, interestingly, a lot of research has been done recently from a well-known Malaysian university a research paper dealing with what's called orthosiphon stamineus, which is the botanical name for the herb which we call java tea, or which is sometimes called cat whiskers. An excellent paper has been done, and I suspect there are many more due to the bibliography of this paper, a paper written by five uh, academics uh, and uh, researchers from this uh, Malaysian university, which has looked at this herb not so much from its uh, well-known traditional perspective uh, as, as a herb to address many ki conditions affecting the kidney. For instance, it's called Java kidney tea uh, because it has a history of being used in um, Southeast Asia, 
Malaysia and, uh, and um, Indonesia as a herb to address things like, for instance, recurrent infections of, of the bladder, uh, small kidney stones participating in easing the passage of calculi, uh, inflammatory conditions of the kidney. That herb developed its name, Java Kidney Tea, because it is the specific remedy in traditional medicine, acknowledged, by the way, by many medical authorities in, in Southeast Asian countries as being uh, outstandingly useful for addressing kidney conditions. And I uh, have always been interested in it. Interestingly, this herb, Java kidney tea, which in a moment we'll expand to look at it, Alzheimer's, has been incorporated into some European pharmacopoeias. Uh, interestingly, because when the Dutch were in uh, Malaysia and, or in Indonesia um, as colonists, they took particular note of some of the traditional medicines that uh, were being used there. And they noticed that the, the native people frequently used this herb, Java kidney tea as we call it, uh, cat's whiskers, or botanically known as orthosiphon, for kidney conditions, and they as colonists began to use it and took the knowledge back to Europe, hence the herb and its activity and its benefits have been called up in certain pharmacopoeias in Europe. It is well known there. Unfortunately, we sometimes are so ignorant uh, and assertive and sceptical that we fail to realise that some of these uh, remedies are not just folk remedies, they're also part and parcel of medical traditions researched by clinicians and researchers today. Now, I, I introduced... Uh, Java kidney tea to my practice years ago, but last year had an interesting experience. I was to give a series of lectures, Mark, to a, a group of students who wanted to do a one-year program on Australian medicinal herbs. And in researching for that, I found that Java kidney tea was actually indigenous also to the northern parts of Australia. Uh -huh, there you go. And, uh, and I was so impressed that in, I hunted round and were able to get um, some uh, cuttings, if you like, of Java kidney tea, and I have it growing now in, in my garden at home, but it is cultivated, I emphasise this, it is cultivated in places like Malaysia and Indonesia, hence the recognition even there of agricultural departments and governments for the importance of this herb and its medicinal characteristics. Ah, but in my research and in, in, in papers that are emerging now from the, uh, one of the Malaysian universities, the herb is also being put forward as a potentially useful remedy to participate in helping people fight this wretched disease that's plaguing our society known as Alzheimer's disease. I want to say, I'll come back in a minute and see if I, I want to yep, draw a bit of a yep, line yep, with all yep, of this yep, together yep, for you in yep. a moment, Dennis. Uh, but first up, good afternoon, Denise. At uh, Good afternoon, Denise at Cessnock there. Uh, you have a question for your friend about your friend today. Yes, yes, Mark, yeah. Hi, Dennis, how Hello, are Denise, you? I'm very well indeed. Uh, that's good. I've got a friend who's um, in her late 50s and she's yes. been having cancer for three years. Yes, yes. Um, it started in the bowel, yes. it went through the lung, now yes. it's in her back. Yes. She's gone through all sorts of chemotherapy yes. and she's just um, taken part in a, an immunotherapy yes. at the RPA, a trial. Yes. Which was, um, the first one went well, the second one she had a really severe reaction. 
Um, had trouble breathing. Um, yeah, she's just in a lot of pain. She's, it, it just, I know the herbs can't cure it, mm. but is there anything that can help? Look, you live in all? you live in Cessnock, uh, Denise. Yeah. Yeah. What I will do, uh, and I don't always do this, but what I will do is copy a section uh, from a recent text that's been written by a quite eminent medical herbalist in the United States which talks about the role of herbal medicine in assisting in the management of various cancers. What I will do, rather than uh, talk um, too briefly on the the air and and perhaps uh, say things that uh, would give too much confidence, what I will do is copy out for you the information. I will drop it at Sally Bowen's practice in Cumberland Street. We'll try to have that done by early next week. You can read that. You can give it to your friend, and then if she wants to do anything with it, she should share what she wants to do with those that are managing her medically. I would yep, be happy yep. to do that for you. And um, yes, I think without uh, dwelling on it, uh, because there would be many that would um, dispute whether there is any role uh, for herbal medicine in helping people with cancer. And of course, I I, uh, I would argue strongly against that. But That's why I rang. Yeah, yeah. It, is, yeah. It, is, it is better for me to give you um, authoritative information that implicates certain herbs, particular enzymes and nutritional substances, uh, look, that might just give a, a fighting chance. Just a very quick spot here before we move on at 49216216 if you'd like to hear from Dennis today. Um, we're talking about this particular herb that's used yeah. for a lot of kidney stuff Correct. in, in Southeast Correct. Asia. I know a little bit later on you'll get onto the Alzheimer's stuff in more yeah. detail. Yeah. What is the incidence of Alzheimer's like in some of these countries, and can you maybe draw a, a, even a modest link between the two? Look, that, that's difficult to do. Uh, but in Southeast Asian countries, despite the fact that many people might live um, less at a less affluent level than we are, um, I don't think, and I could be wrong here, and I'm not a geriatrician, and um, there would be some that would disagree with what I'm going to say, but I would say that in many Southeast Asian countries today, um, we can't any longer say, oh, their their, their primitive way of life or this and that um, leaves them open to dying earlier. I don't think that's the case. I tend to think that you would find that Alzheimer's disease might be much less in Southeast Asian countries and indeed in other Asian countries, even places like India, where, by the way, where, by the way, a lot of research is being done and a lot of approaches to helping people with this wretched disease, Alzheimer's, is being supported by governments as far as the use of traditional medicines where these things are inexpensive, where they're safe, and where they're considered to be potentially useful. Whereas in this country, in my opinion, I've got to say that, in my opinion, we sort of throw up our arms uh, and once a person is diagnosed with with Alzheimer's, uh, they might be given one or two things and a couple of those one or two things that are being given to them, in my opinion, are a little bit, well, not much better than a vitamin or mineral supplement. But... In this country, as in other Anglo countries, we have not acknowledged the role of inexpensive traditional medicines historically used in these cultures, 
to maintain cognitive activity because Alzheimer's is a cognitive deficit. People's memory and learning capacity is reduced. It's, it's a cognitive disturbance. And in, 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 in this country, we're not even encouraging people to look at what's happening in other countries. This research that I'm referring to, even in front of me here this morning, is so highbrow that I, d- I doubt whether it be, would be well understood by many pharmacologists or researchers, even in this country, and yet it was sponsored by a government. It was sponsored by an agricultural department and carried out at a Malaysian university. It, it worries me. We have become so arrogant that we tend to think that anything coming from uh, other countries, particularly Southeast Asian and Asian countries, hasn't got anything to contribute to our mainstream health problems. I dissent from that like you wouldn't believe. Even if I got shot out of the water, I will argue very strongly that findings, particularly associated with this herb, what, what I have called Java kidney tea, and it is known as that because of its primary emphasis in, 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 uh, in medicine is via its benefits on kidney. It's also called cat's whiskers. Orthosiphon stamineus is its botanical name. I will argue very, very strongly that the contentions made at the conclusion of this paper should be taken on board very, very seriously. And, be, and, and I'll finalise or partially finalise my uh, statement on this by saying the conclusion of this paper written by the five uh, Malaysian academics uh, climaxed by saying that um, the ethanol extract of orthosiphon stamineas is an ideal uh, remedy to consider potentially for participation in the management of Alzheimer's. Now, when you get academics like that at a paper, by the way, that's open to anyone, you can copy it off the net. Um, I'm not going. To, I'm not here to promote any papers or any particular particular academics. But this is a paper put out by a group called Biomedicines. If you punch in, if any academics or clinicians or geriatricians are interested, they can always contact me. But this paper, in my opinion, should be read, should be read by anyone who is seeking to help people, particularly in the early stages of this disease. Dennis, you've got one very quick statement to kind of wrap up the yeah, first look, part of what you're saying. This paper that I've been referring to and brought into the studio, it concludes... Uh, by saying this, that orthosiphon stamineus, which is the botanical name for for, um, cat's whiskers or java kidney tea, um, serves a promising treatment for neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. That's the conclusion of the paper. And let me emphasise to all the cynics out there, the sceptics, those that say don't listen to Dennis Stewart because herbs don't work and he's undermining modern medicine. Well, he's royalty now. (laughs) Let them appreciate that these comments are from people of eminent stature, far beyond my qualifications, and indicate how far some of these people are, how far some of these cultures and societies are in using traditional medicine in areas that we have, I would contend, very little to offer. Yeah, and uh, Dennis has got that link to royalty, so take that, haters. Good afternoon, Josh at Singleton. We'll try not to make you talk too much, mate. You've got a sore throat. What's happening? All right, mate. It's been like for a couple of days. Uh, two days ago, it, uh, in behind Adam's up, I felt like uh, it was swelling. Uh, breathing not affected by no means. Uh, I thought it might have been tonsillitis, but uh, I don't like going to normal doctors and getting prescription medication, but 
Uh, I've been listening to Dennis's uh, advice over the last few months, and he, uh, he seems like he's a pretty genuine bloke with his herbal medicines. Uh, I was just wondering what your advice might be. Okay. Josh, uh, have you got a fever with the with the throat? No, no, it's just the, uh, the occasional cough, okay. otherwise I'm as fit as a stallion. And, and you, you've done a rat test, have you? Uh, negative. Okay, uh, negative good. On good. Look, what I'd be suggesting... And, and always with throat conditions, I'll preface my comments by saying they just shouldn't be relegated always to simplistic symptoms, and that's why I asked if you had a fever or whether you checked out for anything else. But um, I would be suggesting that you go down the pathway of using something that has helped uh, my family, myself and my patients for many, many years. Go, just go to the supermarket or your health food store and get, and get, hold, of some, get hold of some sage. Right. Now, sage is a medicinal herb, and yep. in, in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, it's called up as a specific topical preparation, usually used as a gargle, to manage sore throats, and it has a significant antimicrobial chemistry. That is, it is not just folk medicine. There is chemistry to support the local antiseptic or antimicrobial effect that a couple of good gargles of sage tea across the day uh, could could be useful. The other thing is, the other thing is, while you're at the health food store or pharmacy, get a high-grade manuka honey. And I say right. a high-grade manuka honey. Why do I say that? Because manuka honey has various grades of activity. That's, there's what's called the manuka factor, which explains why manuka honey as well as jellybush in this country, uh, is useful for addressing various infections, particularly of the throat and, and, and the lungs. Get a high-grade uh, manuka honey, and what you should do, quite apart from using it perhaps in the sage, with the sage infusion or tea, just take, say, a, a dessert spoonful of manuka oh, okay. honey a couple of times a day in whichever form. You might like, for instance, to put it in some warm water, and just drink it across the day. Um, so manuka honey, uh, taken across the day with some warm water, and a couple of um, teas made up on uh, sage, dried sage, a teaspoonful of the herb to a cup of boiling water, let it, let it cool, strain it, and, and gargle the throat a couple of times a day. And finally, finally, uh, the herb echinacea, you must have heard me talk about that, has a very, very strong reputation in Western herbal medicine for enhancing the body's resistance to infection. I think if you go down that pathway, a couple of days on echinacea as oral, uh, an oral medication, a capsule, the use, uh, say, of, of a high-grade manuka honey and using, say, a gargle of sage a couple of times a day, there's a start for you. But um, again, I would say... In all cases of uh, throat conditions, if they don't respond quickly and the glands begin to swell and a temperature develops, well, then obviously you should seek some medical attention. All right, best of luck, Josh. Good afternoon, Jennifer. Uh, you're sitting there at Madawi and you have a question on Alzheimer's for Dennis today. Oh, yes. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Jennifer. Um, my husband was diagnosed in 2014 with yes. early onset. Yes. Um, it's now been eight years, and he is going downhill. Yes. Um, I don't know whether the cat whiskers 
can do anything for him at the moment. He's lost a lot of muscle tone. He's yes. hunched over and yes. his head's hanging down. Yes. So is it too late to try anything like that? Look, every case is different. And, and in my enthusiasm for traditional uh, remedies, obviously there are points in, in conditions where the remedies that I speak about, like many medical treatments, are not going to have much effect. However, the good thing is this, that what I talk about on most occasions are over-the-counter preparations, safe preparations, uh, which have a history of benefit and certainly potential benefit in addressing all aspects of this wretched disease. Even, uh, even if it means a slowing down, and I'm not saying it, it's likely or it'll do that, but even if it is a slowing down of the deterioration, in my opinion, it's worthwhile giving a go. Um, yep. yep that, that would be my opinion. Yeah, okay. They say use your brain or lose yeah, it, but yeah, uh, yeah. my husband was an aircraft engineer, yeah, so yeah, he's he used definitely his brain. used his brain. <laughs> he's, he's used his brain a lot. Look, uh, just to throw in, throw in something also uh, that might be taken on board, um, and I don't know who's managing your husband, I'm not too interested, but uh, there are two other um, remedy bases for treating this condition at various levels. And I'm not sure that they would be that effective for your husband, but they might be worthwhile trying. There are two herbs from the Indian or South Asian tradition that go back, that go back to the very dawn of, uh, of the Indian culture, if you like. Go, they go back to a civilization of the Indus Valley where the so-called Vedas were written. There are two herbs, Bacopa moniera and the herb Gochicola. Both of those herbs have been known since that traditional time as being what are called Brahmi remedies. Now, Brahmi means, if you like, of the gods, and they were used yep. because of their importance in promoting uh, quietness of mind, recall potential, focus and concentration. And they are used these days uh, in India, and I have used them in my practice and written papers on them, to address conditions particularly where there is some degree of cognitive deficit. They also are inexpensive and can be purchased from a pharmacy or a good health food store. And uh, the, the, the other approach is much more Western, and that is based on a herb that I have mentioned frequently on this program, a herb that owes a lot uh, to a Chinese tradition, but more so in its use today to the work that was done by German uh, phytochemists after the Second World War in developing an extract of the tree ginkgo biloba. Now, ginkgo biloba is still, in my opinion, underappreciated by medical people in the Anglo world, and yet, and yet, in conferences on uh, dementia and early Alzheimer's, it has been put forward as a remedy of great potential. There's a couple of remedy concepts to think around, Discuss them with your medical managers. But, um, look, you, you never throw in the towel. No, I did have him on ginkgo, but our geriatrician said to stop it, not to worry about it. So oh, well, there I you should go. have kept going with it. There, there you go, what I mean. Uh, yeah. who, who am I to question uh, these people? Um, but anyway, you know my thoughts. I don't, I, I'm, I don't agree with a lot 
of yeah. mainstream yeah. medical ideas. And I get more angry at the older I get, and I get a little bit more flamboyant and more careless in, in my criticism of the mainstream as I get older because for 40 years I have seen my system of medicine laughed at when we get no support from government, our medicine is demanded more and more and more, and people vote by their feet and vote via their pocket. So there's got to be something in it. And for, for people yeah. in, in an Anglo country to dispute the documents, the written uh, literature, the papers on some of these things, to me just is evidence of the way in which the West has lost its plot. It's still bathing in its own medical glory and uh, lessening the input of many cultures and many of their medicines. There, I've said me, please. <laughs> Jennifer, I'll just, I'll, Jennifer, I'll just chuck this in before we let you go. It, it would be come as no surprise to you to learn that in the very late 60s, early 70s, Dennis was out there marching on the streets. He was a full-time hippie, the whole lot of it. I no was surprise. indeed, and I am proud of it. I am proud of it. All right, I'd Je- like to see a photo of that. Well, I could probably get you one and you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Jennifer, I've only been asking that. You. I've only been asking that for five years. He fails to produce it. So uh, all the best. All the best with you and hubby. All right. Dear, dear, dear. Thank you. Okay. G'day, Greg at Rutherford. Uh, apricots on your mind today? Yes. Hello, Greg. Hello, Dennis. How can I help? I uh, want to know your opinion on apricot kernels. Look, I've sceptical about them because you would know that um, some people use apricot kernels as a as a, a, an attempt to fight their cancer and what, right. what individuals do is their own opinion um, and, and, and their own decision but you probably know that apricots contain a very crude form of cyanide yes. and if they have any effect uh, at all on cancer and I'm not saying they do it is probably a chemotherapeutic effect based on the level of that toxin in, in, in the seed. And so I worry that if people use that, they may inadvertently reach a point where they're taking so much of it that they wipe themselves out faster than what the cancer would do. So I'm very sceptical. Um, I can understand anyone who is desperate and where everything else has failed reaching out for things, but I would suggest that anyone that goes down that pathway know uh, what the consequences may be. Thank you very much. Eve, it's Noble Bay Migraines. We literally have 30 seconds, so we'll see if we can jam this one through. What's your problem there, Eve? Eve? Uh, yes, migraines. Very, very bad headaches. I don't get a lot of the um, you know, visual disturbances or yes. nausea and vomiting, but I get headaches every day, and they're predominantly over my eye area. Okay. And they've been diagnosed as... Um, migraines, have they, Eve? Yeah, a long okay. time ago. I'm on Immigran, and yes. that does help, but I good, get them every good, day, Dennis. Good. Well, look, uh, have you tried the herb feverfew? No, I haven't. Well, look, in herbal medicine, it's a, a herb with a good reputation, and I've prescribed it frequently. It's it's not the answer, and, and you, you would realise that I don't say that everything that I recommend is the answer, but it, yeah. may, it may be of great assistance to you and others that suffer from migraines. It's an inexpensive, over-the-counter preparation, reasonably safe. The only adverse effect seems to be on some people. It might cause some mouth symptoms. If it does, it means it's not for you. I haven't seen too much evidence. It's a low-dose herb. A capsule a day is what I would normally prescribe prophylactically. 
it, it, in my opinion, it would be worthwhile giving a go. Discuss it with your pharmacist uh, to make sure that there's no interaction with what you're already taking. But I think there's a potential that it could contribute something. Thank you very much, Eve and everybody else. Dennis, we've slapping out of time. Bit have, radical. Well, we always, always. Bit radical, <laughs> comrade. Have a great. No, never. <laughs> Better dead than red, Dennis. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at twonurfm.com. <laughs>